It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Welcome to the program. May the 4th be with you. And uh, have you noticed grocery stores can sell... Uh, floral arrangements. They can sell the flowers at grocery stores, but florists can't. And like Target can sell desks and chairs, um, but other furniture stores cannot. Lowe's can do outdoor patio sets, uh, but uh, furniture stores cannot. It's just one of these weird ironies oh it's not even an irony it's an inconsistent application of the standard and it's gotten to the point now where people are just really fed up with it really fed up with it stick around i've got an interview with joe tyson from tyson furniture about all of this Uh, i spoke with him on friday afternoon and uh, he ran into a bit of a problem with the uh, the local stay at home order versus the state stay at home order and uh, and so we'll sort it all out with Mr. Tyson in, in a minute. First, I want to thank folks uh, who have helped to make this show possible. I'm talking about people like uh, Rebecca and Taylor and uh, let's see here, Michelle, uh, as well as Keith and Jim and Robbie and Monica. I appreciate all of your support. Couldn't do the show without you. Thank you very much. Um, also, speaking of all of the furniture, you know, Mattress Man stores, they're doing appointments, so if you need a new bed, need a new mattress, you can get private in-store appointments. They they do the social distancing. Uh, they do one guest or couple or family unit, you know, at a time in each store. That's it. It's all by appointment. They have a card reader and a register, so when you go and check out, uh, you may be wondering, as I have when I've used my card at various places, like, okay, I'm going to hand this to you, you're going to run it, and then... Or uh, yeah, and then hand it back to me, uh, and now I've got the COVID. Or uh, I'm going to take it, I'm going to swipe it, and then I got to punch in my code, or I got to pick up the little pen and sign my name, and now I got the COVID. So at Mattress Man, you know what they do? They sanitize the register and the card reader. They do it all after each use. Also, single-use pillowcases provided for each visitors. Okay, so. Either give them a call or go to their website, mattressmanstores.com. They, they'll do a private appointment with you in store. They can do it by phone. They can do it by video conference. Uh, they are committed to serving you well and responsibly during this time. Uh, so head to their website, mattressmanstores.com. And uh, remember, you get free local white glove delivery. And if you are uh, outside of the Western North Carolina area, they ship directly to you. And every mattress has a 120-day comfort guarantee. So it ensures that you're going to love your mattress. If you don't, they'll exchange it for free for the uh, for a limited time for the 120-day comfort guarantee. And don't forget to use the promo code RESTWELL, all one word, RESTWELL, and get an additional 20% savings off site-wide. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Find the local store nearest you, mattressmanstores.com, buy local, and sleep better. All right, so Friday afternoon, I uh, had the uh, opportunity to speak with Joe Tyson of Tyson's Furniture and uh, in Black Mountain about uh, the run-in that he had had, uh, or I shouldn't say run-in. I mean, police did show up at his store, <laughs> but uh, it was 
basically a misunderstanding of the executive orders that tell everybody they have to stay at home and what's an essential business and what's not. And from the beginning, um, the governor has always said that his stay-at-home executive order, or the SHIO, the SHIO is sort of a floor. That's the baseline. Counties can go above that. They can go more restrictive, but they cannot do less restrictive uh, orders when it comes to, uh, you know, staying at home and what businesses can open, which ones can't. So he left counties on their own to layer on more restrictions if they wanted to. And Buncombe County said, why, yes, we would like more restrictions. And so they layered on more restrictions. And that difference is what Mr. Tyson uh, got caught up in. We were watching the uh, newscast of the county uh, requiring all businesses that were considered non-essential, in other words, not selling essential products, to close. uh, And I believe the date was March the 26th at 5 o'clock. And we closed at that point and have remained closed through April 26th. we had been monitoring all of the uh, information from the state and the county. Uh, when the governor uh, issued uh, his order number 131, uh, which looked like it gave some uh, openings for people to open up their businesses as long as they followed certain state guidelines, we applied to the state through the Department of Revenue we applied initially for a non-essential status, but we're denied non-essential status, but we're given permission to open as long as we followed the guidelines of uh, Executive Order 121 and 131, which specified uh, social distancing. It had requirements for marking in, in your retail store. It had occupancy requirements, density, number of people. Um, it had several suggestions, and we took all of those suggestions plus the the directives of the CDC and implemented those in our store. And originally announced we were going to open uh, on April the 30th. Uh, however, uh, we brought employees into our store to start staffing on the 27th so that we could get ready. We had a backlog of telephone calls to answer of, of customers uh, uh, deliveries to set up and things like that and we had planned on going ahead and opening uh, to the public uh, on the on the 30th but we got a visit from the black mountain police on the 29th informing us that we could not open uh, and we could not open at all because the county hadn't lifted its stay home order and it didn't matter what we had complied with from the state that the county regulations were more strict. Uh, so um, we have not officially opened to the public yet. We have uh, we're open starting the 30th by appointment only, uh, and we did clear that with the county, and we did get that cleared up. We were we were able to operate by appointment only. We have. Uh, temperature screening at our door we have a questionnaire for any any customer who comes in and we limit the number of customers that are coming in right now so we have actually pulled all of our advertising print radio and tv because we didn't want to send out confusing messages until we really find out 
when we're going to be open for business and open to the public on a 100% uh, basis. So that's the way we're operating right now. We've now brought all of our employees in because we have uh, quite a bit of work to do to catch up on deliveries that were uh, that were delayed. We went dark for 31 days, and in that 31 days, we we uh, accumulated a lot of things that we had to catch up on. So we we're catching up, and as soon as we're given the all clear from the state and from the county, uh, we will open our doors uh, on a fairly normal basis, although we may continue to do the temperature testing and the questioning because we're our number one goal is to keep all of our employees safe and healthy. Uh, our other goal is to keep all of our employees working and paid. And, and so far, even though we were dark for 31 days, no one has missed a payday. We have kept everybody on full pay. Um, but you can only do that so long. You have to start generating new revenue to keep paying the bills and keep paying your people. So we are all in favor of reopening the economy in a rational and safe manner. Uh, and I believe Governor Cooper has done a very good job of being consistent and pretty rational in his uh, uh executive orders so we are we are pleased we're in a state where at least we've had direction some states retailers have had very little direction uh as to how to handle the situation the state has given us quite a bit of information and quite a bit of direction and i think that if we follow the plan that the governor's laid out that we will be in good shape uh, the the coronavirus is not going to believe us. It's not going to go away 100%, but now we're all prepared to operate in a very safe manner. I know in our store we're doing constant sanitation. We we even spray a disinfectant after closing. Uh, we have all of our employees are wearing masks. Our delivery people are wearing masks, booties, and gloves. Uh, we are screening all of our employees uh, first thing in the morning uh, with temperature and questionnaire, and we're screening our, our customers who come in by appointment right now. Uh, so we've adjusted to the new normal. Uh, we think that a lot of businesses should be able to adjust to a new normal and get back toward a normal business stance and get this economy cranking again. Uh, it, well, yeah, it sounds like uh, one of the... the one of the uh, false framing uh, that I've seen regarding all of this and this open versus close and all is is this uh, delineation as to whether or not a business is essential or non-essential, and I don't think that's I don't think that's the best uh, the way that's a good delineation. I think a, a better way to look at it is: can you operate safely, or can you not operate safely? And if you can operate safely, then it seems like, and it's not like what you're saying you're doing already, seems like y'all have found a way to operate safely, then it seems like you should be able to open. But it it sounds like, though, that you've got, is it a, is it a conflicting message between county and state level? Because I know the governor has said that he wants to set sort of a floor with his executive orders, but counties can then layer on top if they want to get more strict, but they can't go more lenient. Right. Well, that, that's the... Uh conundrum we got caught in uh i had interpreted the order from the governor number 131 that we were going to have a consistent retail standard in north carolina 
And after consulting with my attorneys, I found out that the states the state made an effort to make it consistent, but counties could make rules that were that were tougher. And our county, Buncom County, did make more stringent rulings, and uh, we had to back up. That's one reason I pulled all my advertising because I'd planned on opening, and we decided we couldn't until we got the permission of the county. We have now gotten permission from the county based on the modifications we've made in our business model to keep our employees working and allow customers in by appointment. But we still don't have the authority in the county to just wide open open the doors and say we're open for business yet. Right. We're, we're being prepared for that. And when that happens, we will do it, and then we will go back and let our customers know through our advertising that we are open. But that has been very confusing, and I, I really... I really believe that a, a single state standard of what you have to do to open is is important because this has been a very confusing period for for all businesses, uh, particularly for retailers, and it, it's really um, not the best way to divide retailers or, or businesses into essential and non-essential. Uh, we are declared non-essential, but we have essential retailers that sell exactly the same merchandise we do, which puts us all at a all of us who are non-essential at a terrible competitive disadvantage, uh, and it tends to favor the national big boxes because national big boxes like Lowe's, Home Depot, Sam's, Big Lots. They all sell furniture. They sell outdoor furniture. They sell mattresses. They sell floor covering. They sell the same products that we sell in our business, but we've been deemed non-essential. And I don't know how that decision is made, but I I believe in the future, if the the government at any level has to make these decisions, they should be made on the basis of just exactly what you said. How can a business make their business safe to operate in that environment? And you shouldn't declare somebody's either essential or non-essential. They're either safe or they're not safe. Um, I can tell you right now, a customer comes in our store is a whole lot safer than they are in any grocery store or any big box. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can tell you that, yeah. I was going to say, have you considered opening a kiosk and selling toilet paper and hand sanitizer? That might get you essential uh, status. You well, there are, <laughs> there's some games you can play to do that, and we decided not to do that. We tried to, to follow what's the spirit of the law as much as, as the technicalities. We actually sell lift chairs, and we sell products for, for the handicapped, and we sell uh, sanitizing products for furniture, and we sell uh, uh, mattresses, and we sell adjustable beds. And all of those things, a lot of people have used those to be, be declared essential. Uh, but they're really kind of technicalities of, of whether you are not. Our main business is to sell furniture, and we know that. Uh, and if that's your main business, you're considered non-essential by the state. Uh, but it, it, but those are the decisions that, that uh, are fairly arbitrary. Somebody at, in some state office has decided, well, this retailer is essential and this retailer isn't. But those are very arbitrary decisions. They're not based on 
they're not certainly not based on the science of how you're handling your customers when they come in the door and how you're screening how you're screening your employees, etc. So uh, it, it really, there's there's got to be a better way to to decide who has to close. Maybe you should close everybody immediately if there's an emergency, and then you go back and you evaluate who's prepared to open. So what happened when the officers showed? Did they show up at your store today, or was it a phone call? No, they actually physically showed up on the the 29th, the day we ah. were supposed to open. Uh, they were local Black Mountain policemen, uh, and then they were courteous and nice, although I did ask them not to come into our store because they weren't wearing protective equipment. They weren't wearing masks, and we didn't have a chance to screen their foreheads. <laughs> so I did ask them out of the store because right. we... You know, we are following standards. <laughs> right. There's some, yes, there's some irony <laughs> in that right. and, uh, example. And, and even the police have to follow our COVID-19 protocol if they want to come into our store, uh, you know, unless they're chasing somebody. But <laughs> Right, or have a but warrant, no, we, I guess. <laughs> but uh, no, and, and we required all of our people in, in our building to have a mask on and to have gone through the temperature testing and because the idea is we're trying to keep our store completely unexposed as much as possible as we can possibly do by doing all the things we can do to screen anyone who enters our building. So, uh, yeah. no. So they but, show up and you say, can we have this conversation outside or something? We did. I did say you will, you'll have to go outside <laughs> because you, you haven't come through our COVID-19 protocol. And, and they're, they're as confused as anybody else. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to blame the police. The police were doing their job and doing it quite efficiently. Uh, they are enforcing Buncombe County's ordinances. Uh, but uh, even for a business that has tried to follow absolutely the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, it gets confusing. But, and, and I th- don't know. Yeah, and I think it's the it, it's due to an inconsistent application of standards. Things that should seem to be uniform are not, and hence the confusion, even for the people who are charged with enforcing the standards. And so uh, they show up. You say, "Let's step outside, and we can talk about this outside." And so they right. they just said, "This is the Buncombe Ordinance. You got to follow that." And then that was it, and they left. Or uh, well, was I, there? Because uh, like well, the story I heard was that there was some sort of reference to we'll get the show sheriff's uh, deputies out here if we have to? Well, no, there really was. There was nothing There was nothing threatening or, uh, I mean. It wasn't antagonistic. Black, no, the Black Mountain Police were doing their job. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're right. enforcing the law. Uh, the uh, And I handed them two copies of the letter that I had gotten from the state authorizing us to open and I, I did ask them to take it back to Chief Freeman and let him look at that because I said if he reads that and he reads the Executive Order 131, I believe we've met all the standards. But I was really not aware that it didn't apply in the county because the county had a separate ordinance. Yeah. That this is what yeah the governor refers to as the the floor, and then counties can add a, a more restrictive layer on top of it, and that's what sounds like you got caught in. I got caught in that immediately. I did call my attorney and I said, "Listen, uh, you know, I need a little research here because we thought we were perfectly good to go, 
based on the state's letter. And uh, we'd even delayed our opening several days so we could be prepared and trained to do their, you know, all the things we're going to do to open. But uh, uh, it, it's confusing for everybody. It's confusing for the law enforcement people. It's confusing for customers. It's confusing for retailers uh, as to what we can do and what we can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really am can't be terribly critical of the state. I think the state has tried to do a really good job, but whenever anything is done this quickly and it's something that no one has experienced before, right. they're bound to be screw-ups and they're bound to be some confusion. Uh, I was absolutely in a terrifically bad mood when the policeman came because <laughs> uh one of the big fights that I've been having is, is is when you go dark for 31 days, I don't care what kind of business you're in, and you have absolutely zero revenue, I mean zero, you still have bills that are accumulating, and you're still making payroll, because we paid all of our people to stay home, paid them 40 hours a week to stay home, based on our number one goal, which was to keep our employees safe. And until we could figure out how to make our business safe, we didn't want them to come back. Mm-hmm. Once we figured out how we could make things as safe here as they are at home, we thought they were better off working than being at home. Uh, and, and we've accomplished that. But we were about to run out of money. And I'm I mean, just seriously, because you have to have money to make payroll. And I had applied for one of these payroll protection loans. Mm-hmm. I applied initially on April the 1st with my bank. Then I uh, was called by the bank and said, you, they've changed the application form. You'll have to go back online and, and download a new application form and file it online. There were a lot of changes. At the very beginning, the Treasury Department kept putting up different applications and different rules. <laughs> so I, I actually got my the, the, the newest application they had on the 3rd of April and filed it with my bank. And... Uh, has that come through uh, for yeah. Do you know if well, that's come through that's yet, or most, are you still waiting? That's the most stressful thing I've ever been through, because <laughs> no one could give you any information. Yeah. My bank had assured me that we would be in line for it, and, and since we've been a good customer of theirs for years and years, they thought there would be no problem. But my loan application stayed at the Small Business Administration for 30 days. Oh, wow. Almost 30 days. It's almost 30. We did get our money late on the 30th. Oh, okay. uh, Which happens to be the day that my payroll has to be paid. (laughs) I mean, mean, we were sweating to make sure that we got got our money in. But but I'll be honest with you, I was a miserable bank customer. I really (laughs) just drove everybody crazy to the point that they didn't want to answer my phone calls anymore. Uh, uh, well, and that's it, it is uh, to your point that you made earlier. Like the, n- the state is doing what it can. I think banks are are trying. Everyone is dealing with this. This is all new territory. There was a uh, congressman I spoke with a couple of uh, weeks ago who said uh, we're building the plane as we're flying it here, and it's the same issue that you're seeing with the unemployment insurance. That people they can't get through on the phone. They can't use the website, and then they then when they finally do get through, it just uh, it, it, the applications just start piling up and there's no processing that's happening because the system wasn't built to handle this kind of volume all at once everybody is inundated uh and 
I mean, I'm glad you got the money, even if it was just in the nick of time. <laughs> I mean, that's like uh, that's like James Bond 007 seconds left on the bomb there before uh, it goes off. So I'm glad that you got the uh, the money. Do you have any um, guidance now on when you can open? Do you have any idea when that's going to happen? We do. Okay. We do. We have the the, uh, the date that the governor has given for extending his stay-at-home order is through May the 8th. Uh, We haven't gotten any official word, but we believe that May the 8th is probably going to be the last day that we will have a full stay-at-home order. And after, I tell you, I've talked to everybody I I can talk to, but everybody has indicated to me that the county is probably going to track with the state on the next on the next round, whatever the state says. So right now we're betting that retail will be allowed to open with some restrictions, but be able to open on the ninth. Mm-hmm. But this is just an educated guess. I mean, until the governor actually puts it on in writing, no one's actually going to know. Right. And and I did talk uh, with uh, the authorities within the county. Uh, I think it was yesterday. My days were running together. <laughs> yes, uh, for all of us, uh, they and, are. <laughs> yeah, and we have gotten this verbal assurance. I don't have anything in writing that as long as we are following this COVID nineteen protocol that we've set up and we are keeping our store sanitized and safe, that we can operate on this appointment only basis until we're open to the public. And, uh, and we've also been given a green light to go ahead and make residential deliveries and do all the things we have to do to run our business, like receive freight, pay bills, run payroll, and answer the telephones. Right. You know, those are the kind of the key things you have to do to keep your business going. Uh, uh, and we're quite happy to operate on a reduced level as long as we're operating. Right. Uh, I mean, there's going to be some sacrifice to everybody in this. One thing we don't want to do is we don't don't want to get in a position where we can't keep our employees employed and paid. And uh, fortunately, since we didn't get a a, uh, a loan for our payroll, that's not going to be an issue as long as we don't stay in this shutdown period too long. Right. Right. Is there anything else you want to add that you think is important or interesting for folks to know before we wrap it up? Well, I, I think that, that right now the news media tends to whip up too much anxiety. What? Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and here's, the, here's, my, here's one of the things I, I object to, is people talk about it's a question of, of saving lives or it's a question of opening the economy. And I don't think those issues are really in opposition. I think you can open the economy and save lives. I think that you can you can exist in a COVID nineteen environment, doing business and living fairly normal lives. Uh, we were willing to shut our business and go completely dark for the goal of flattening the curve and giving the healthcare industry and our government enough time to prepare for some inevitable COVID-19 infection of the population. Right. But we weren't willing to go dark until every threat was removed. 
uh, and there, there are always going to be some threats of infection. So I think we all were willing to sacrifice to stop that pandemic spread, like hit New York. But I think there's a reasonable balance that you have to go back to business, you have to go back to work, but you have to have safeguards. And I think they're not mutually exclusive goals that saving the economy and saving people don't have to be in conflict. Yeah, it, it it has been one of the more frustrating aspects of all of this, the argument that it's money versus lives, when in fact it's just lives versus lives. Um, there it, are, it is, and even yeah. in our case, you know, most small businesses have probably already given up on the objective of making money this year. Yeah, Our, our goals are only to keep our employees healthy and to keep our employees paid. We didn't say anything about making money. <laughs> right. <laughs> We would like to survive this because we believe that if if we come through this and keep our our employee group intact and keep everybody healthy and don't have their finances fall, that our business will be fine in the future. So you have to have a long-term strategy on this thing. Uh, But I don't think they're mutually exclusive goals. Keeping people healthy and keeping uh, the economy healthy are, are, are are in tandem. Those are goals that you have to have. I think you have to keep everybody financially healthy. You know, if you lay your employees off and, you, and they lose their health insurance, we haven't helped their health at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so they're, th- th- these are joint goals that, that we should all be working for. Mr. Tyson, I appreciate your time. Thanks for spending it with me and for sharing the story and uh, and your insights, and best of luck to you and Well, thank uh, the you. We we're celebrating our 74th anniversary today. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, congratulations. Happy anniversary. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye. bye now. All right. Maybe you're not looking for furniture. Maybe you're looking for some just advice on how to be prepared. You know, do you need some furniture uh, in the case of another pandemic or if, the, if there's another spike down the road or if there's something even worse? Are you prepared for disaster? Do you need some advice? Then you need this number. It's 565-2497. That is the number that you can send a text to Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. And uh, obviously, if you are looking for military surplus that's real, well, Old Grouches has been there for three decades on Main Street in downtown Clyde, uh, and they've been the answer for uh, people looking for modern and vintage military surplus items. These are real military surplus. These are not you know made in China with uh, an American flag slapped on them. No, these are actual real U.S. military surplus. Shirts, hats, uh, he does customized dog tags, all sorts of gear. Uh, And if he doesn't have it in his store, he can get it. Okay, so if you're looking for something, send him a text, 565-2497, and Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, he'll find it for you. If you need some advice, uh, he spends a lot of his time answering people's questions about preparedness and about items. He can take your order uh, via text message or, of course, his website, oldgrouch.com. Go check out his website, oldgrouch.com. So um, a lot of this inconsistent application of the standard when it comes to essential versus non-essential business, I think, is due to the fact that uh, we got caught in this fake choice, this false dichotomy of essential or non-essential. And it was left up to government to make some decisions for everybody about what is essential and what is not. And I remember sitting down reading through the list, and I think it was one of the first podcast shows that we did, and I went through 
uh, the list of, of essential jobs. And there was like a billion of them. You could find a way to make almost anything fit the category of essential. Except tourism. Right. Except tourism. <laughs> um, Citizen Times had a story. They actually interviewed Mr. Tyson over the weekend, it seems like. Uh, and they had a story out on uh, today, on Monday, May 4th. Um, and in the piece, they say, what is considered, what businesses are considered essential and who makes the final call? That conversation has been muddied by confusing terminology and contradictory statements during daily briefings with the governor and public health officials. Both business owners and would-be customers have been left uncertain about when they'd be breaking the law. Right. You keep getting different answers from government officials who, on the one hand, say, we should be in charge of dictating to you what is essential, what is not essential, and then on the other hand, seem incapable of actually creating some consistent and coherent rules. Right? They want the power, and then they don't know how to use it effectively and fairly. Counties, as I mentioned earlier, can adopt a stricter definition of essential, and towns can even opt out of a county's more restrictive ordinance. Uh, the governor's state-level mandates are considered the minimum required. Uh, so, as I said earlier, you can go more restrictive, but you cannot go less restrictive. Uh, the result, though, is this is again a, a Citizen Times article by Elizabeth Ann Brown, who I will say she's asked some of the best questions uh, during the governor's. I don't even like calling them press conferences because they're not. It's a Q and A when you know when the media gets to ask their one question with zero follow up. Anyway, she says the result is a patchwork of definitions of essential that differ significantly across county lines and occasionally within them. In its stay-home, stay-safe order, Buncombe County overruled the section of the governor's order, the SHEO, uh, that broadly expand the de- uh, or, uh, expands the definition of essential. Quote, Buncombe County determined that this clause could be leveraged in a way that undermines the effectiveness of the SHEO, said Stacy Wood, spokesperson for the Department of Health and Human Services. That purpose, she explained, is to slow the spread of COVID-19 by reducing as much as possible any non-essential travel, activity, or exposure to COVID-19. Okay, so Buncombe County went more restrictive because they felt the governor's order didn't do enough when it comes to defining what is and isn't essential. So Buncombe County said, we're also including a lot of these other types of jobs, which is weird because now you can go right across the border into a county that has a less restrictive ordinance, and those businesses, they're all operating, but in Buncombe County, they're not, right? So you have this patchwork. This was the uh, sort of the original sin of the bureaucrats and politicians, which, of course, they're going to make this determination. Like they, they wanted to say which jobs and businesses were essential and which ones weren't. And the correct, I think, the correct analysis should have been what jobs can you do safely and which jobs can you not? What businesses can operate safely and what businesses cannot? That should be the standard. And I think that over the last now, what, seven, eight weeks, I think a lot of governments at the you know behest and pressuring of its citizens and business community, they are now sort of coming around to adopting that idea that it is a question of safe opening versus essential, non-essential, that that was the wrong paradigm to apply here. That was the wrong choice.
Except, of course, in North Carolina, where we're still operating under the old essential, non-essential. Because, you know, Roy Cooper, he is just, you know, fast to adapt. He is just uh, nimble. Nimble, I say. The town of Weaverville in Buncombe County announced uh, that they are going to withdraw from the Buncombe County Stay Home, Stay Safe order. The sticking point, according to the Weaverville mayor, Al Root, said um, it's all over this question of essential versus non-essential. He says if you're in a small town like Weaverville and you have like a mom and pop shop, it's very possible that you can meet the state's social distancing restrictions. Yeah, that's what Tyson was saying as well. His place is so big. I think the I think it's like a 70,000 square foot facility. And so if you can't social distance inside of that place, like I don't know where you can, right? I don't know what chance any other business has of being able to uh, meet these social distancing standards if a 70,000 square foot furniture place can't do it. Um, March 31st, the Citizen Times asked Governor Cooper, so this was over a month ago, asked Governor Cooper in a press conference whether each North Carolina business was allowed to read the executive order and then interpret it for themselves as to whether or not they were essential. And what Cooper said at the time was, quote, the Department of Revenue makes the decision about whether businesses qualify as essential or not. So he kicked it, dare I say, passed the buck to the Department of Revenue. And he said people can file or businesses can file their request to be designated as such. I remember him saying this, by the way. But on April 22nd, so a month later, or three weeks later, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Mandy Cohen, who wasn't really sure how they count the death uh, toll in North Carolina yet, she had to triple check, even though lots of people are asking her this question. She didn't really know when asked at a press conference last week. She said... There's actually no process or application for businesses to be deemed essential and that, quote, businesses that deem themselves essential should follow all social distancing mandates and guidelines. Is it any wonder that business owners like Mr. Tyson are confused? The question of whether the buck stops with the Department of Revenue is a complicated one says the uh, Citizen Times story. They go on to say later, a letter of approval from the Department of Revenue is not a golden ticket, but that doesn't mean businesses aren't desperate to get them. Johnson said, this is Shore Johnson, longtime Democrat operative guy, former reporter, um, and uh, I want to say state party guy. He was executive director or something like that of the state party years ago. Anyway, he's now the spokesperson for the Department of Revenue. He said that the DOR has received more than 6,000 requests to review businesses' eligibility to operate. Why would the DOR get 6,000 requests along these lines, asking for dispensation to get a letter like Mr. Tyson was talking about? Why, why would they all go to the DOR and ask that? It's almost as if somebody directed them to go to the DOR. <laughs> somebody like maybe the governor at a press conference Meanwhile, then his Health and Human Services Secretary says, oh, no, there's actually no process. <laughs> Look, I again, I understand at the beginning of all of this, this is why I've tried to keep as open a mind as possible, because the data keeps changing on this virus and what we're learning every day and how we're responding and adapting and overcoming, Right. I've just tried to keep an open mind and I give people the benefit of the doubt. I've given people latitude at the very beginning when nobody knew what was happening. The, this is a very highly contagious virus. The, the R factor, whatever, the spread is super, super high, easy to pass along. 
it's also easier to pass along because people don't know they have it, right? You're asymptomatic. For days and days and days, you don't even know you have it, and then you're, you're, you're passing it all around, and then you may feel sick. You may, you may get really sick, and you may die from it, but generally speaking, most people, they get it, and they walk around with it, and they just spread it, and they don't ever know they have it, which makes it really, really contagious on top of the fact that it is a really, really contagious virus to begin with. Right. So that in in the very beginning was super scary because we didn't know what it was is upper respiratory. There's some like blood clotting issues as well. And, and who is it hitting? But like over time, we learn, we adapt. And now we can say, all right, that was sort of the sledgehammer approach was to say everybody shut down essential versus non-essential. And uh, let's you know get some data and try not to you know overwhelm the hospitals. I was I understood that whole approach but it's been now two months i think we've learned some stuff right (laughs) we've learned some stuff now that does not sound like anything you're even close to approaching with your website you need to learn more stuff about how to set up a website or improve your business's website that maybe you're relying on now more than you ever thought you would need to it can be overwhelming so call my friend schaefer smith and he will help you with logos graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He's actually working with me to develop a logo right now. So for professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith. All right, make your site look professional and make it user-friendly, not just for your customers, but for you so you can adapt quickly. So if you need to go in and make some changes to some, uh, you know, copy, something changes. Oh, hey, look, I can open again. Oh, now I got to close back down again. Oh, governor, let me open. Oh, governor, shut me down. Like if you need to adapt quickly, you can do that because he'll empower you to learn what you need to do to uh, uh, to run your website on a day-to-day basis like that. He also is there for you uh, to keep you up to date with security, website maintenance, all of it. Okay, shaversmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. By the way, we have that linked up at the Pete Callender Show page as well. So you can uh, find his business there. Because he spells his name S-H-E-A-F-F-E-R. And it's not a... A lot of people want to throw a C in there. Because I guess that's the... Is that a common... Yeah. Anyway, so SchaeferSmith.com. All right. Buncombe County has adopted its new stay-home declaration... That will override the previous one and more closely align the county's order with that of the state. This is the Citizen Times story by Mackenzie Wicker uh, from April 30th. So this was last Friday. Public Health Preparedness Director Fletcher Tove said the order will enable Buncombe to move forward in lockstep with the North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and uh, his response to the coronavirus pandemic. He's our governor. We go with him in lockstep. I, I just, I hate, I hate when I hear government officials start talking about marching in lockstep with other governments. Uh, just, I don't know. Gets the antenna going, you know? The spidey senses start tingling. Going forward, he says, we intend to follow the governor's lead to the best of our ability in reopening our communities, and uh, we will always reserve the ability to add further restrictions in the best interest of the residents of Buncombe County, he said. The biggest immediate change that the measure uh, makes is that it allows gatherings of groups of up to 10 people. Those gathered must still adhere to social distancing restrictions and maintain six feet of separation between individuals. The order strongly recommends the use of cloth face coverings 
in public settings. The order does not allow non-essential businesses to reopen, though. There it is again. They still just can't get off of that false choice. It still prohibits lodging facilities from taking leisure travel reservations, and it limits funerals to 10 people or fewer. And people coming to Buncombe from outside the state still have to quarantine at their residence for 14 days before entering the community. (laughs) Uh, So... Yeah, a lot of people aren't aware of that. So if you, I don't know if you leave here and go visit someplace else and then come back. I'm not sure what happens there. Cause like a lot of people, they're like, yeah, South Carolina beaches are open. Let's head on down. And so they all went out to the beach. And I don't know that you got a quarantine when you come back now. Newman said later that Buncombe County officials, quote, like the direction of Cooper's reopening plan. They like the cut of his jib, if you will. County health officials responded April 20th to calls for a more immediate reopening, reiterating that Buncombe County's reopening process will be gradual and science-based, which is such a condescending sentence. (laughs) This idea that the science will determine our risk assessment decision, that's not exactly true because you have to make a subjective call at some point because the science, quote-unquote, will always tell you that the best way to stop the spread of any contagious infection is to quarantine everybody away from everybody else. I've said this before. If you really want to stop the virus from jumping from one person to another and you want to wipe the virus out on the planet, here's what you do. You put everybody in a cell away from each other, have zero contact with any other human being for... 30 to 60 days. And that'll do it. No more coronavirus, no more COVID-19. That's how you do it. But nobody's going to do that. But that's what the science says. We should let science determine this, right? No, you can't let science strictly determine this. Because first off, science isn't even aware. I'm talking like science as a person here, but it's not even fully aware of what COVID-19 does and doesn't do. Like you look at where these outbreaks are occurring and you know where they're occurring, aside from like mass transit, um, nursing homes, prisons, Uh, and uh, these congregate care facilities and meatpacking plants, right? That's That's where it's happening. That's where the outbreaks are occurring now. They share similar demographical data, okay? But at the end of the day, it's up to the leaders, the politicians, to make a determination on risk assessment that... This is why I said this essential versus non-essential is doing more damage than good at this point because it's forcing people into this way of thinking that, oh, well, I'm going to pick you to open and I'm going to keep you closed. And this and that's not the way to be thinking of this. The way to be thinking of it is risk assessment. Is the juice worth the squeeze? I, an otherwise healthy person, I can walk around uh, and go about my daily life. I'm 20 years old and and, uh, I've already tested positive for the antibodies or I'm not in a demographic that's likely to get it or to die from it. So, like, my risk assessment's going to be different than if I am, you know, 50 years old or older and I have chronic health problems, comorbidities. It's a different risk assessment. It might not even matter. (laughs) It really might not matter, though. Because Apple, uh, uh, you know, iPhones... Apple data shows that the uh, shelter in place, it's ending, okay, whether governments want it to or not. In a piece at Forbes.com, John uh, Coatsier, he writes that Apple's mobility trends report shows that traffic in the U.S. and other countries like Germany has pretty much doubled in the past three weeks. Uh, It was down about 72%. Location data provider Foursquare, you know, where you're like, oh, I checked in at wherever, 
right? They say, that app says, or platform says, that gas and fast food visits are back to pre-COVID-19 levels in the American Midwest. Rural areas are following the same pattern. Whether governments, medical professionals, and scientists want it to or not, People seem tired of the shutdown, and they are eager to get back to some semblance of normal life. Grocery store visits are now down to normal levels after being 30 to 40 percent higher uh, than normal in the late, uh, late March because people were stocking up for you know the for the shutdown. Now, um, people are going more places, but it has not impacted the hardest hit industries, according to this analysis from Apple. Gyms still down like 65, 70%. Clothing stores, still down 70%. Furniture stores, still down like 50 to 60%. Movie theaters, down 75%. Nail salons, uh, down like 40%. Hotels are down like 50 uh, And in Canada, this was interesting, people are avoiding mass transit, <laughs> which is still down 80%. 80%. Well, yeah, because remember the paper I brought you, the research uh, that was done by was the National Bureau of Economic Research. Uh, there was a correlation between the New York City subway system and the spread of COVID-19 because, duh. <laughs> right? And then I saw this the other day. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo ordered, this was last week, ordered that all New York City subway cars be cleaned every night in Metropolitan Transportation Authority workers or by the MTA workers to ensure the safety of essential personnel during the coronavirus pandemic. Like you waited two months to clean the subway cars. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Although I will say it's probably the first time that the, uh, the MTA is cleaning the subway cars as far as I could tell. But, sorry. <laughs> Why would you wait two months for that? Um, the governor said he wants the MTA to present him a plan for nightly cleanings. He also, I think, you know what, I'm th I'm thinking one of our new normals is going to be people walking around with uh, essentially like, uh, like, the, like the big hazmat suits, you know, like the white beekeeper looking outfit uh, with a pack on their back, like a, a plastic tank. And they've got like just like a leaf blower kind of a thing. And they're just like spraying sanitizer on everything, you know, just just hosing everything down with sanitizer i think that's going to be the new normal oh man maybe i should go and try to like manufacture some of those types of kits there's a lot of market opportunities here i'm saying by the way there are market opportunities for your home too if you're trying to sell your home and you're thinking oh my goodness who would have thought that just as i'm getting ready to sell here comes the plague right well you can actually get your house sold but your chances are going to be way better when you use Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. That was even before the plague arrived because uh, Rowena, she does things on a whole different level than the average Asheville realtor does. Uh, she's a former marketing person, and so she applied marketing uh, principles into home selling, which makes perfect sense when you stop and think about it, but a lot of realtors don't do that. Um, and she knows that a lot of people are very concerned now about, you know, touring homes um, or having people tour their homes. And so she does all of this by video. She's been doing walking tour videos of homes since 2007. They're just like the real thing. So your buyers can tour your home without having to leave their homes. And um, 
You don't have to go walk through somebody else's house either if you want to look. So call Rowena, set up a video chat with her, a video consult with Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Her phone number is 333-4483, 333-4483. The only agent that I would call Rowena Patton and the all-star powerhouse team at mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. Now, I do think it was interesting that the governor of New York apparently uh, what motivated him to order the subway cars be cleaned every night is uh, because of the MTA workers <coughs> unions <coughs> letting them endanger their own life and endanger the lives of others is not helping anyone, Cuomo said. So it's because he's afraid of the workers catching COVID-19 off of the subway cars, not so much the people riding the subway cars. <laughs> That's not what motivated this decision, apparently. I guess that explains why it's been Two months since he ordered it, he also commented on reports of the deteriorating state of subway cars during the crisis, as the city has allowed homeless people to stay on the cars with their belongings. Well, it could be the problem with that when you're trying to contain a pandemic in the city, right? Quote, no one wants to live their lives on a subway train, Cuomo said. We have a higher obligation as a society than to say, okay, you can sleep in a subway car. He also announced that uh, the state of New York would be offering antibody testing for transit workers to determine if they've contracted or been exposed to COVID-19 and uh, have since developed the antibodies to fight it. A positive test doesn't guarantee immunity from the virus, but it does signal that someone may have added protection against the virus moving forward. I take this, like I read this as an, uh, this is a slap in the face of Mayor de Blasio down there in New York City, who's got to be like the worst mayor ever in the city of New York. Um, if you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast. You can get all of the links in the description here at the podcast at thepetecalendarshow.com as well. Thank you very much for all of your support, everybody. I do appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Bye.